been so good, is so good, will be so good, always faithful. Sometimes we, sometimes we have doubt, sometimes we wonder because they ain't going our way. God is always faithful, amen. I want to say thank you real quick to all you guys. Uh, appreciate Jason stepping up and preaching last Sunday. I know the funeral was here Saturday. The funeral home was closed Saturday, so we'd have the funeral here. appreciate you guys are here supporting the family. But on Sunday, we had to be down South Alabama. The graveside was down at McKenzie, so we left Sunday morning, got back Sunday night. I appreciate Jason preaching last week. I appreciate all your texts. Y'all know I'm a, I have become a, a text kind of guy. I, I love text. They say exactly what you want to say. They say it to the point. You, you, you can go back and look at them. They're not something you have to answer right then. And I, I have become uh, very much a text kind of person. And so lots and lots of you. I do appreciate the call. Don't misunderstand that. But um, I greatly appreciate all the texts and the outpouring of love my family and the food and all the things that you guys did. Greatly appreciate it. I um. For about the past six months, I've been trying to bring missionaries back in, either on Sunday morning or Sunday night, and sometimes, you know, been preaching, and sometimes, like this morning, they're just here to present their work, but the truth is, after COVID and getting out and missions had gotten down, and we dropped our mission support from $100 a month to $75 a month to all of our missionaries, and so we started trying to bring a missionary in every month to let you guys see the missionaries and be reminded of how important that is so let me tell you just in six months of doing that the missions has come back up we have reinstated all of our missionaries back to the hundred dollars where we were at and because missions is up so are the finances of the church i want you to understand philippians 4 and chapter chapter 4 and verse 19 paul said but my god shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in christ jesus paul did not say that to everybody Paul wrote that to the church at Philippi because the church at Philippi is the church that was sending him money. They were meeting his needs. And what God says, you take care of my missionaries, I'll take care of you. The church that takes care of the missionaries is the church that God will take care of. And I'm telling you, since we started bringing missionaries back in, you guys started seeing when missions has come back up, so has the finances of the church. It's all hand in hand. So we have Brother Bruce Berry, his wife Lynn, they're here with us this morning been missionaries a long time actually some family with brother dennis martin brother bruce if you'll come on up he's going to share his work this morning at the end of the message if you guys will remind me uh, i know he won't because he don't care if you guys remind me i want to take up a love offering for them let you know how much we appreciate them taking the time to come out and share with us today brother if you'll go ahead and share your work god bless you sure it's good to have you this morning Thank you, Pastor, for inviting me to come. And this morning, thinking about the faithfulness of God, I want to talk as I share my ministry, and I want to help you to see the beauty of faithfulness. Several years ago, we were traveling down the river from Manaus to the jungle village of Barcelos, which is about a 24-hour boat trip. And on the way, we were getting back to where our church plant was. On the way, we met a young man named Azael and his wife, Thais. And uh, he was going to be a, a sergeant there in the army in Barcelona, stationed in our community for the next two years. And we invited him to come to the church. And he came that next morning, and he never stopped coming. 
He was a picture of faithfulness to everybody in our church, exactly the, the picture of faithfulness that our people needed to see. Well, one morning I was out at the back of the door after a service, and, and a little lady named Dona Shikinya came through the door, and she shook my hand, and she said, Pastor Bruce, that is a wonderful thing. That's a beautiful thing. I said, Dona Shikinya, what's a beautiful thing? And she pointed up to the front of the church where Isael was. He was putting away the microphones, and he was putting all my stuff away. And I'd never asked him to help me, but every time we had a service, he was there 30 minutes early. He was there late, helping me get everything closed up. He was a, a true servant and a, a picture of faithfulness. And when Jonah Shekinah looked at him every week, faithfully serving, it was a beautiful thing in her eyes. And as God looks down upon this congregation and he sees your faithfulness, your faithfulness is a beautiful thing in God's eyes. And Lynn and I want to thank you uh, for your faithfulness over the years and, and the many ministries that you have used to reach out uh, to preach the gospel to every creature, not only in this community, but around the world. Thank you uh, for what you've done uh, for us. You know, back in 2018, I became the field director of Spanish-speaking South America, and, and the Lord expanded my call from the Amazon region of Brazil to include nine other countries with a combined population of 442 million people. And for the last four years, I've traveled on multiple times to Brazil, Colombia, Chile, and Peru, and I've had the opportunity to teach in seminary classes and to preach and to participate in evangelistic campaigns. And during this time, I have seen the beauty of God's faithfulness over and over again. And a few years ago, I met a young man named Camilo. He's from Santiago, Chile. And he told me an, an incredible story of God's faithfulness. He, when he was born, his mother was a drug addict, drug addict, and he didn't know his father. But he and his other siblings were raised in an orphanage. At the age of 13, he decided to leave and live on the streets. He said he became a very proficient thief. One day, he was walking down the road, and one of our missionaries, Jason Kinney, who was in Santiago, Chile, met up with him, gave him a track, and asked him this question. If you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Well, he didn't have the answer to that question, but he went to church the next day, and he made a decision to repent of his sin and trust Christ as his Savior. And then the Kinney family, that missionary family, invested lots of time in this young man. He studied at the seminary. He helped Brother Kenny start a church, the Trinity Baptist Church, in another area of Santiago, and he became the first pastor of that church and pastored for four or five years. Then the Lord later called him to be a missionary in Ecuador, and today he is one of our missionaries with Macedonia World Baptist Missions. And last June, he started the Way Baptist Church in Quito, Ecuador, and I was able to travel uh, this past October to help him uh, with that work. And Camilo's faithfulness is a beautiful thing in God's eyes. And to see how the Lord rescued this poor soul from darkness is an example of the beauty of God's faithfulness. Last year, one of our missionaries, Clixton Casquillo, who was a Venezuelan, came to my house. And while he was there, he told me a beautiful story about how God had called him into the ministry. Clixon was a young civil engineer. He had a promising career in Valencia, Venezuela. And he said about seven years ago, all of the professional people in Venezuela began to leave the country because they were wanting to avoid the misery that was going to come because of the socialism. He said that he had a scholarship to do graduate work at the University of California, and he also had a job lined up as a civil engineer in California. He sold his wife's car, 
And he was on the way to sell his car when the Lord began to work in his heart in a powerful way. And, and his church in Valencia, Venezuela, was without a pastor. The pastor had left. The people were left without a pastor. Clicks and felt the Lord was working in his heart and calling him to remain in Venezuela and pastor his home church, even though he knew that it would mean that he and his family would have to pass through some tremendous difficulties in the coming years. He stayed, and God has given Clickson an abundantly fruitful ministry in Valencia, Venezuela. He said that when the church goes out on visitation, there's 30 or 40 people that go with him, and when they knock on the door and say, we're from the church, the people say, come in, please, come in. We've been wanting to hear about God. We've been wanting to talk to somebody about God because those people at the bottom of the barrel right now are in a very difficult situation. They're looking for answers, and Clickson through his church is providing the answers for those people. And this is a beautiful picture of God's faithfulness. And his willingness for the cause of Christ is a beautiful thing to behold. And his faithfulness is beautiful in God's eyes. The famous missionary C.T. Studd once heard a group of seminary students talking about his sacrifice. He became a missionary in Africa, but before he went, he gave up his career as a sportsman, and he also gave up his fortune. And they said, boy, what a sacrifice. But he came up to those students and he said, listen, if Jesus Christ really is the Son of God, and he is, if he really did down the cross for my sins, and he did, then there is no sacrifice too great for us to make for him. Our faithfulness to God is a beautiful thing in his sight. In 2013, while planting a church in Barcelos, Amazonas, Brazil, the Lord opened the door for me and Lynn to, to uh, have a ministry in a jungle village called Piloto. It was way outside of town. We had to take the speedboat to get there. And uh, we taught physical education classes and Bible classes for kids for four years in that public school. And during that time, there was not one person who acknowledged that they had trusted Christ as their Savior. Four years, every Friday. In 2018, we established a work in that community, and we turned it over to Pastor Jones, who was a man that we trained in the ministry, and he plowed and planted for another two years with very little results. Then in 2020, I went down, and Pastor Jones, Pastor Amarildo, Pastor Manuel, and myself came together in that jungle village of Piloto, and we conducted an evangelistic campaign. On the first day of visitation, the first five people that we presented the gospel to trusted Christ as their Savior. We went on to present the gospel to 52 more times, and 20 people made decisions to trust Christ during that week. On the Saturday night, we had a special service, and after the service, uh, there was 21 people that came down and said they prayed to trust Christ as our Savior. And as I traveled back on the boat the next day, and I was sitting there among the people in their hammocks, and I just marveled at the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness is a beautiful thing in my sight. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I recently traveled to Bucaramanga, Colombia, to visit our missionary Aaron Vance. And there is a city of 160 parks. They're scattered throughout the city. And the name of that city is the beautiful city of Columbia. The city is indeed beautiful, but there was something more beautiful that I saw while I was there. And it was the way the Lord had knit the hearts of the, the Colombian people with the heart of the missionary, Aaron Vance. Since he arrived in Bucaramanga seven years ago, he had been busy building relationships with a group of men who through his ministry became very excited about reaching the world with the gospel. Every Tuesday night, they meet for about three or four hours with Pastor Aaron for discipleship classes, and I met with them and was very impressed with their enthusiasm. A larger group of students, including women, meet on Saturdays for five hours of training. And if that group of people 
that highly motivated group of Christians, if they were able to start 50 churches in Bucaramanga in the next 10 years, it would only be a drop in the bucket as to what is needed in that city. There are five other cities in Colombia with over a million people. There are 60 cities with over 100,000 to 500,000 people, and that's just Colombia. In there's other eight countries that are Spanish-speaking in South America, and we only have 13 Macedonian missionaries in those countries. And it's only a drop in the bucket of what's needed. We don't have missionaries in Bolivia, Paraguay, Uruguay. And you know, it appears at first glance that, that we're the underdogs in this matter of evangelization, but that is not true. The harvest is big. We've established that. But our Heavenly Father is bigger. If God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The harvest is big, but our heavenly Father is bigger. And when we realize the Lord wants us to do something big, we want to get on board. We want to be a part. Well, how do you do that? Jesus gives an answer in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. He said, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. And that's exactly what I did back in 1982. I began to pray. I was working as a coach and a teacher at a Christian school over in Hampton, Georgia. When a missionary came out on chapel, they showed a movie entitled The Amazon Waits. In that movie, they made a statement that there were many people along the Amazon who had never heard the gospel. And I began to pray for those people. And I prayed that God would call a young person out of our church to go to the Amazon. And after a while, I was convinced he was going to call somebody. And I continued to pray for two years. And one day I was out behind the house by the fence and I was praying. And, and the Lord impressed upon my heart that if I was going to pray for someone to go, I had to be willing to go myself. And I thought about that for a moment. I never considered the, the fact that God might want to call me. But I began to pray again. And I said, Lord, Please call a young person out of our church to go to the Amazon. And at the end of my prayer, I said, if it be thy will, send me. Went into the house. I approached my wife, Lynn. I said, Lynn, if the Lord called us to go to the Amazon as missionaries, would, would you be willing to just take the kids and go? And she looked me right in the eye. And she said, no, I would not be. <laughs> and I, I knew where she was at. I knew where she was coming from, but just in a period of a few weeks, the Lord worked in my heart, he worked in her heart, and convinced us that that was his will, his perfect place for our family, and we went and served 27 years in the Amazon. Now listen, this is the point. If you pray, and that's what Jesus said do, you pray that the Lord will send labors into the field, that's what I'm asking you to do, but if you pray, you've got to realize that you've got to be willing to go if that's his will. Thank you uh, for all that you have done for our family, the prayers and support, and pray with us that the Lord would call labors into his harvest. Pastor. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate your heart and what you serve the Lord. If you want to turn in your Bible this morning, the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. Isaiah in chapter 43. Hey, Michael Jones, I wasn't expecting to see you today, man. That's a treat. God bless you, brother. Man, that was, um, that's a God-answered prayer right there. A lot of God-answered prayers. A lot of people missing, Tim, sent a thing, Bob, how many was missing out of the choir, and I know about six or eight families are on vacation. If you guys tuned in, God bless you. I hope you have an amazing time. Pray for us. 
We, um, maybe, maybe we'll get to go sooner or later, but I do hope you have a great vacation. God bless you. Be careful on it. Appreciate those of you here this morning. It's good to see you. I pray the Lord give us something, something special here this morning. The book of Isaiah, chapter 43. I'm just going to read oh, two or three verses right here. I want to start reading in verse number one. It says, it says get that off of me. It's going to distract me the whole time I'm trying to read. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. And here's where, here's where I want to take a text from this morning. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Glory to God. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire... Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God. You notice the text there doesn't say if. It says when. What that tells me is that storms in life are certain. Troubles and trials in life are certain. Situations that come our way that we're not too particularly crazy about are certain. I want to look this morning at rising above the storms of life. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for loving us in spite of us, God. Thank you for mercy and for grace that truly is without measure, God. Lord, I thank you for these, your people, God. I thank you that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ washed in the blood. Lord, I pray would you meet with us in this place. God, I pray that every soul would be touched. I pray that, Lord, for those closest to you, just give them a special little nugget, something to help them, God. For those, if there's any that may be lost this morning, would you save a soul this morning, God? We pray that your perfect will be accomplished in everything that we do. We ask you, God, would you speak to us? Help us to be a better servant, God. We love you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So y'all see, y'all see, I got my anchor down here. So if I keep looking down and pointing down at my anchor, I want y'all to see my anchor. Y'all everybody see my anchor? All right, we got our homemade anchor down there. The, the fact is, storms will come in this life. Willa Cather says, there are some things that you can learn best in the calm. And there's some things that you'll learn best in the storm. Vincent Van Gogh says, the fishermen know that the sea is dangerous and the storm is terrible, but they've never found these dangers sufficient reason for remaining ashore. Boy, that speaks to a missionary, don't it? Set your sails and cast out into the deep water. Joyce Meyer says we all face storms in life. Some are more difficult than others, but we all go through trials and tribulations. Everybody in here has been in storms in your life. Some of you are in storms right now. Storms come in a lot of ways. Some of them are kind of like those evening thunderstorms. You know, it's a beautiful day. Everything's good. Everything's great. Been out in the yard doing stuff, 4 or 5 o'clock in the evening, kind of like the time we were on the boat down at the dam at West Point Lake. We, we were at the dam, and we live at Yellow Jacket. Anybody knows anything about the lake? That's on the exact opposite end of West Point Lake. Had the kids with us. We start riding back. It's beautiful. We're headed back up. I can see the 109 bridge. We're coming into the body of water. All of a sudden, I hear a little thunder rumbling. It starts getting cloudy. And before we can get to the bridge, the bottom fell out. Winds was howling. Lightning was cracking off. We're down on the floor. The boat with beach towels over. It's like that did a lot of good. 
We, we, we're down there trying to hide from it. And in just a few minutes, it moves, and I get up, and there's a guy over there in a walk-through windshield, a little runabout. He looks at me like him. We're like, where in the world? Thunderstorms, they, they come out of nowhere. But fortunately, when they come, they may do a lot of damage in a short time, but at least they don't last very long. Amen? But then there's storms that the National Weather Service tells us they're coming. You know, a week ago, you had the first named storm of the year on the first day of the hurricane season. It's in the Pacific, crosses over Mexico, gets back into the Gulf of the Atlantic, comes by. You had flooding in Florida. Now you've already got another one gathering up, be the second named storm, still in the first week, really at the end of the first week, gathering up, and they predict them. They say they're coming. People board up windows, and they batten down the hatches and do everything you can to, to get ready for them. But then it seems like sometimes they come in, and they rain, and they rain, and the wind blows. It's like they just settle in on top, and it's just like the sun's never going to shine again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Storms in life are the same way. Some of them pop up out of nowhere. Get up in the morning, have your coffee, brush your teeth, get ready, head out the door, get to work, and it's a great day, sunshine, and everything's beautiful, and all it takes is one phone call. All it takes is one second, and the whole world comes unglued. Some, sometimes you have storms in your life, you see things coming. You see things brewing up, situations happening, and, and they come in, and, and, and they seem like they're never going to end. Storms come in all shapes and sizes. They come to every age. You, you don't have to be young to go in a storm. You don't have to be old to be in a storm. Storm comes to everybody. Some, some storms that people go through are, are health storms. Man, we got a lot of people going through health storms. William Cavender right now, he had that surgery on his back, and then they thought it was infection. It, it turned out to be another issue, but they had to go back in. They've had to open the incision up, a lot of pain going on there, and just, boy, it's, it's been a storm. It's a health storm. Aubrey has been... Out of nowhere, his arm swells up. They go up there, and that's what are we at, four weeks now? We're at four weeks of a storm that, in all honesty, I'm not really sure where the end is just yet. It was back up this week. There's some more blood clots, things in the lungs. Those, those are storms. That's health storms. That's on, on some incredibly young people. Charlie Treadwell, at the time that was going on, Charlie Treadwell goes to the hospital with, with some heart pains, and he's there in the ER, and they're checking him. And, boy, don't put a lot of faith in to find that the EKG shows nothing's wrong. Everything's good. He's actively having a heart attack. And in all honesty, ain't no other way to say it, but he dropped dead right there. Flatlined, boom, on the table. Man, they went to working on him. He flatlined three times. He had 100% blocking the Widowmaker before they could get in and get some form of blood going. They sent him up to Kennestone up there, did a triple bypass. He's still having problems with uh, AFib, having some blood pressure problems. They're talking about maybe having to do... Uh, a pacemaker, if some of that doesn't get straightened out, so he can't be here for a while. I think he said for a month he's not supposed to be around people. Three months later, they're going to look back. Those are storms in life. At, at the same time, um, Richard Starr had a heart attack at the exact same time that all that's going on with Charlie Treadwell. Went in and had to go in and, and, and put some stents in. Michael Jones, I'm, I'm amazed even here, man, there's cancer in the eyes, and they talked about maybe eyes sewn shut for eight weeks. They talked about possible Loss of vision, glory to God, brother. That's a testimony of God's goodness sitting right there. Man, that, that's a witness. Those are storms. Those are things that you go into. Even when they went into the surgery, you didn't know if you'd be able to see when you come out. 
Even going into it, they didn't know if his eye would be sewn shut for eight weeks because they weren't sure what they would have to do with the bottom eyelid and things that was there. Just storms, Jerry and Cheryl Presnell, you hardly ever see them here. They want to be here, but they're in constant storms, constant pain, constant battle. I'm just saying storms, health storms come in all shapes and sizes. Anybody say amen? Some of them is, is family members. It's family members dealing with health issues and I was thinking about Mr. Rodney Cotney. Man, it, we, we, need, we need to be in earnest prayer for, for family members. Um, Parkinson's disease is taking its toll. It's, it's running a course and it's causing some really bad situations and, and it affects the whole family. I was talking to JB this week. Natalie Brown has been suffering with a, a migraine for over a week now. I was in the hospital for four days and they can't really find what's getting it. That, that stuff affects the family. It affects everybody around them. Some people are dealing with the loss of a loved one in their family. My, uh, my family, our family is very familiar with that right now. We understand exactly what that is and, and how, how you have to, to deal with a lot of things. Um, a lot of people are dealing with financial storms. I'm certainly not going to mention any names here, but there are a few families in this church right now that are doing everything they can to avoid foreclosure on their homes. Storms come in all shapes. They come in all sizes. They come barreling into our lives. You got loss of jobs. You got um, family issues. You got marriage issues. All kinds of things happen. All that we do with storms test our faith. Storms test our endurance. They will either drive us toward God or they'll drive you away from God. A storm will either develop you or it will destroy you. It's all determined by how we respond. How we're going to respond has a lot to do with what we've done before the storm ever got there. So how do you rise above the storm? Well, it all starts by how well are you connected to the anchor. George Herbert says storms make us grow deeper roots. In order to successfully rise above a storm, we've got to have a secure anchor. An anchor is a symbol of stability. It is a symbol of security. For the Christian, the emblem of stability and security is the Word of God. This is your anchor. This is the unchanging, ever written by the Holy Spirit of God, will never change, will never bend, will never fail, will never let you down. This is your anchor. This is your hope. This is everything. Listen, you don't have to pray to God and ask Him for stuff if He's already told you the answer here. There are some things you don't have to pray about. God's already told us how to live. God's already told us what salvation is. God's already told us about missionaries. God's already given us commandments. This is the anchor that God gave to the Christians. Too many people can't weather the storms of life because they're simply not grounded to the Word of God. They, they, they don't read. They don't take time to read. They don't have daily prayer lives. And in other words, they're not properly secured to the anchor. They're, they're not properly uh, attached. You can't just... Hold on to it. You have to secure yourself into it. You can't just put it on the back dash of your car and expect God to protect you everywhere you go. Most of the ones that I see on the back dash of a car have no color left in them. You know what that tells me? That thing's been riding around for years and it ain't been opening just as many. 
We have to, to take it and read it and, and put it in there. Some, some people have enough stability to survive little storms. They survive a little bit of wind because they come in on Sunday morning. They get enough to hold on. But what, they happen, what happens is when the real storm comes, they begin to question God. Why storms? Why, why trials? Why, why do we go through the things that we go through. Where, where do storms come from? Why do they even come? Charles Spurgeon says, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we're made of. Some storms are self-inflicted. Sometimes we just make bad choices. And those bad choices create bad consequences. And we have to live with the results. Life is one bad decision away from the worst storm of your life. I need to say that again. Life is one bad decision away from the worst storm of your life. We are one choice away from a storm that we never wanted to have to walk through. Choices are important. We can control our choices, but you can't control the consequences. If we're not connected to a solid anchor we are a lot more likely to make bad choices. Amen. Other storms are allowed by God to get our attention. There's a number of different reasons why God may be trying to get our attention. Maybe, maybe you're living in sin. God's just trying to get you back into the will of God. People, people will continue in their sin even when God's trying to get them. The Bible even tells us that sin has its pleasure for a season. And people will continue to dabble. But, but consequences will come. God will put up stop signs to keep you from going in sinful directions until you begin to run stop signs. He'll turn those into red lights, and people eventually run red lights and continue. Consequences will come. For the child of God, God will not allow you to continue living in sin. Consequences may affect more than just you. The consequences can affect your whole family. We see it in Joshua chapter 7. When the children of Israel went in and they were told not to take any of the spoil, but Achan took some of the things and brought back and put them up under his tent, just Achan and his family didn't pay the price. All of Israel, all of God's people paid the price because of what Achan did. Sometimes God allows the storm in our lives to, to come in, and you can be right in the middle of God's will. You can be reading your Bible every day. You can be praying. You can be doing devotions. You can be paying your tithes. You can be supporting the missionary. You, you can be working in ministries. You can be serving God with all you've got. You can be living dead in the center of the will of God and a storm come in your life. He did it with Job. God himself said of Job, there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. That man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Yet we find that Job went through the storm of his life while God himself called him perfect and upright. Sometimes I truly believe that some storms that we go through, even though we will grow through it, even though we will learn through it, I truly believe that a lot of the storms that we go through may be for the benefit of somebody else. We see it in the life of the Apostle Paul multiple times. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul said, "...in labors more abundant and stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent and deaths oft." 
of the Jews five times received 40, received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I've been in the deep. And he goes on to talk about all the perils that he went through in life. And every single one of those is as the Apostle Paul, walking in the center of God's will. Not Saul, not Saul of Tarsus, not Saul the persecutor of the church. Paul the Apostle, the one that saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, doing exactly what God said. He said, I've been through all of these things while serving God. Acts chapter 27, they're on a ship. Paul is a prisoner for serving God. He's on his way to Rome to preach at Rome as a prisoner for serving God. The ship gets in a terrible storm. It gets blown into the rocks. The ship is destroyed. They're going into the island of Melita. They all, the men, they swim. They get on shore there. And, and it says that the, the, the people there in, in, the, in the island, that they, the barbarians, they, they built a fire. They showed them a lot of kindness. And the apostle Paul, it says that he was getting some wood to put on the fire. And it says that a viper bit him. That would be a very venomous snake. It says it fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man's a murderer, whom thought he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. Now, they got a little bit confused about who he was at that point and said he was a god. But the bottom line, he went through something right there, and they changed their minds. Minds. There is an untold number of Christians in this world who came to know Christ because they watched a Christian walk through the storm of their life with integrity. They watched a Christian walk through with a smile on their face that them being a non-Christian, they simply could not understand, but they did know one thing. Whatever they got, I want it. Sometimes we go through things that helps or benefits other people. You know, we got family members in hospitals, uh, or, or if you yourself in a hospital, that's not a place we want to be. Anybody say amen. It's not a place you just like to get frequent flyer miles. It's not something you want to sign up and get checkpoints for every time you go. But I can tell you this. You're never there by accident. There's always somebody lost around you. There may be a nurse or a doctor that's too busy in their life to hear the gospel anywhere else. You don't even have to preach it to them. You can live it to them. If you're in a hospital, if you're in a place you don't want to be, just remember, if God's allowed you to be there, there's a reason somebody needs it. Remember a year or two ago, the message that I preached, when your test becomes your testimony, Wayne Massam says, I want to share with everyone that no matter what challenges or adversities you face in life, you can overcome them. Once you overcome those adversities, use your story, your testimony to others to help others get through their storm. Sometimes God may allow a storm in our life because God is trying to get us to do something in our life and we continue to ignore him. He did it to Jonah. He told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh's like, Jonah's like, that ain't happening. I hate them guys and they hate me. They're, they're brutal. Mm-mm, mm-mm, God. Mm-mm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Look, listen, there's some Jonas in here. There's at least one of them. 
I may be all by myself, but there's some of, there's at least one person in this building that God has told us things to do, and to date, we ain't done them. There's people I've been supposed to go see and didn't, and one of them that I know particularly I didn't go see is dead, and to this day, I don't know if he went to heaven or hell. And I didn't go. There's some Jonas in here. God gives us things to do, and, and we don't do it. Jonah could control his choice, but he had no control over the consequences. God may be looking to do something special to move you in the next walk in your life. Maybe you're supposed to be teaching Sunday school. Maybe you're in a wine leader. Maybe you're in the nursery. Maybe you're singing in the choir. I don't know, but I do know this. Pastor Freeman used to talk about it all the time. God will call you up and up and up. God never calls you on lateral grounds. He will never call you backwards. God will always call you up. He may let you sit somewhere for a long time. He let me sit on a bench for over 20 years and do nothing, but eventually God will say, that's enough. There's a next level of service, and God will, will call us up to the next level. Sometimes we are very comfortable where we are. Somebody go ahead and say amen. Sometimes I like it right where I am. The water's not rough. Everything's sunny. Everything looks good. I promise you, if you stay where you ain't supposed to be, that won't last long. The wind will get a little bit higher, and the sun will get a little bit dimmer, and it'll come. <clears throat> to, to move up can be scary. To move up, I'll go ahead and tell you, most of the time, if God's calling you into something, it's out of your comfort zone. If it's in your comfort zone, it's probably your idea. But if it's out of your comfort zone, God's calling you in to, to something, to, to move you into a place. And sometimes God has to allow some storms where we are to get us where we ain't so comfortable to get us to start looking around for where God wants us to go and do what God wants us to do. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's just life. The rain falls, the just, the unjust alike. Everybody lives in the same world, same trouble, same turmoil. My cousin Andy, there's only two male Yanceys. I thought y'all were done with us, didn't you? We got a little grandbaby boy now. He's still up there in an EQ unit, but, Lord, he's coming home. Y'all thought y'all were done with the answers. All there was was my cousin and I, and I guess Andy was about 30 years old, had some sinus issues, went in, and they had a tumor almost the size of a lemon right in here. They lifted his whole face off, cut the skull plate out, went in there and took it out. He made it about a year. He asked the doctor. We were up there visiting and he said, what causes this? I've never smoked. I've never done drugs. I've never drank. I mean, what, what could cause it? And the doctor said, I'm sorry, buddy. To tell you the truth, it's just bad luck. Sometimes things that we go through is just life, but none of them catch God by surprise. Sometimes God may even send us into a storm. Anybody listening? God may even send us into a storm just so he can manifest himself to us. God may send us into a storm just so he can show us something about himself. He did it to the disciples. Matthew, he just got through feeding the multitude, 5,000 men plus women and children, five barley loaves, two fishes, took up 12 baskets of fragments straightway in verse 22. Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. That means he put them in the ship, and he told them to go to the other side when he sent the multitudes away. When he sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Anytime you find Jesus to pray, and we find him praying all the time, but he's about to do something. 
You, you find Jesus, go and pray, and then he come back and he does great works. He goes up and he prays. The disciples go there when evening was come. He was there alone. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. You think that caught Jesus by surprise? You think Jesus did not know that storm was coming? You think he sent them out? No, he knew exactly where they were going. He knew exactly what he did. He knew exactly why he didn't get in that boat. And here they are in the middle of the storm in the fourth watch of the night. Jesus went under them walking on the sea. They could have never seen that otherwise. They could have never seen any of this had God not allowed them in the storm, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, as a spirit, they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. When nothing else works, storms will. When God can't get your attention any other way, storms will work. Heartache works. Hard time works. When nothing else will work, money or lack thereof works. You can take Advil to stop some hurt. You can go to the doctor and get some narcotics. But when there ain't no money, you can't get out of that one. One way or another, God will get our attention. God's purpose is to make us like Christ. God's purpose is to equip us to live Christ-like to change us, to mold us, to shape us into the image of Christ, that people might see Christ in us and, and Christ through us. Yes, a storm may be a result of sin in your life, but if it is, you know exactly what that sin is. If God is dealing with you about a sin issue, you don't have to go on to see. I, you, you don't have to be in sin to get in a storm. I, I know that. Before I became pastor of this church, the, the last year before, I was making more money than I had ever made in my life doing the same job that I had loved doing my whole life, and I was as miserable as I had ever been in my life. My wife will tell you that. I was miserable going in the morning. I was chairman of the deacons here at the church. I was going, doing mission trips, preaching at the men's ministry over across town. I was trying to do everything I could in the center of the will of God. I was absolutely miserable. Seemed like nothing was right. I couldn't find any joy, any peace, any happiness. I finally said, God, what did I do wrong? I said, number one, I'm sorry that I sinned so bad that I'd cause this. But I'm even more sorry that I'm so ignorant I don't even know what I did. But if you just tell me. If you just let me know what I did and let me confess it, put it under the blood, that you can forgive me in the blood of Jesus Christ. And let's just move past this. But God showed me it wasn't a sin issue. It was a direction issue. God had a different direction for my life. So, yes, you can go through a storm because of sin, but you don't have to be in sin for God to allow storms to come in our lives. Think about this. For a minute, I was thinking about it when you was talking about it, and, 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 and you asked Lynn, what do you think? She says, absolutely not. And my wife for a long time thought we were Costa Rica bound um, because of my ministries there and that in Panama and being over there 12 times in a the year. My wife thought for sure we was going, and, and I never had it. 
But, but what I, I do know is the reason I never had. Same thing you know. There's great fear, and there's an absolutely not, ain't no way, until God begins to change things. How many of you right now can, can think of things in your life that if God called you to do, you, 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 you can be honest or you can lie. It don't matter. It's between you and God. You say, I'm not going to do that. Well, she said, mm-mm. What about right now? Is there anything in your life God told you to do? You go, mm-mm. I ain't doing that. Sell everything you got. Become one of these guys. Sell everything you have, all your cars, all your luxuries, everything you got, and go, go to one of the poorest regions of Africa and become a missionary. You ready? Leave all your friends, leave all your family, leave all the conference of America, leave your big screen color TVs, forget about the Bravo's 10-game winning streak, forget about the Georgia Bulldogs going to repeat as champions, forget all that stuff. Hey, man, put them thumbs up. What's the matter with you? Quench the Holy Spirit. Forget about all that. I want you to go down to one of them little islands off the southern tip of the Philippines, down there where them cannibals still live, and I want you to be a missionary. You ready to go? See, when it boils down to it, we're not quite as fully surrendered to God as we think we are. Now, here's what I do know from going on mission trips. I do know that God doesn't just send you somewhere. God prepares you. Amen, brother? God began to do a work in their lives. What happens is God will begin to prepare you to get you to do what he wants you to do. But it's a process. God's got to get us from where we are to where he wants us to be so that we're now willing to go do what God wants us to do. Sometimes the reason we're so scared in our storm is because we weren't paying attention to what God said before the storm. I mean, whatever it is, if, if you're like me and we're honest with ourselves, we're, we're not quite as fully surrendered as we like to think we are. It doesn't have to be, obviously, as drastic as a missionary. It doesn't have to be as, as drastic as, as going to a foreign country. It's just any area of our life that's not fully surrendered. Anything that you're holding on to that you're not willing to let go of. Anything that God wants you to do that you're not willing to do, God... God may send some things. God doesn't want the storm to destroy us. He allows the storm so that it might develop us, so that it might direct us. Charles Spurgeon says, when your will is God's will, then you'll have your will. That's good, ain't it? I need to read that again. When your will is God's will, then you will have your will. Pronounce as best as I can. Isaac Bathsheba Singer said, Life is God's novel. Let him write it. Storms are real, but storms have an end. In the storm, there is a purpose. Matthew Henry says, After a storm comes a calm. The devil's intention is to destroy you. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Anything, if God allows the devil to do anything in your life, the devil's intention is to destroy you, destroy your home, destroy your life, destroy your family, destroy your witness, destroy your testimony. The devil is in this to destroy you. He may not can destroy your soul, but he is in it to destroy your life and destroy your testimony so that others cannot see Christ in you. But God will use the storm to develop us, just like he did with Job. Job had to go through some stuff, and he got way down here, and but then when he came back and he prayed for his friends, God gave him back twice as much. Here's the truth. Everybody needs an anchor. Because without an anchor, every ship 
will drift. He said, I'm not going to drift. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm here every week. I, I'm at church every Sunday morning. I, I, I do things. Let me tell you something. You stop praying, you will drift. You stop connecting to the anchor. You stop reading this book, you will drift. If you're not already doing those things, you're already drifting. We, we live in a world that is given to sin, led by sin. It is magnetized by sin. And if you don't have an anchor to hold you in the center, you will drift. Sin will pull you away if you're not secured to an anchor. I've, I've, I won't go into the whole example because I've used it a lot of time. I'll just give you the short version of it. People don't just decide to stop going to church. People don't just decide to stop serving God. They drift. They drift a little bit. They drift a little bit. And they drift a little bit. But if you drift long enough, you'll drift far enough till you find yourself lost and don't know how to get back. Charles Stanley says storms are inevitable, but our anchor is immovable. An anchor is defined as an instrument to hold an object still. The Word of God is an unmovable, unchangeable, without fail instrument that will hold us still in life. The anchor is designed to keep you steady, to keep you in a secure spot, but not just in a storm. The anchor is designed to keep us in a secured spot at all times. Its sole purpose is to keep you in a constant position. This is the spot. This is where I want to stay. It is designed to keep you right there. The Word of God is our constant source that will keep us next to God, in the will of God, beside God. We can never get out of God's reach, but we can get out of God's will. And when we get out of God's will, God's reach has to deal with us. Amen? Isaiah chapter 26 says in verse number 3, That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth thee. That doesn't mean that we'll never endure a storm. It means that God will be with us in the storm. See, I, I brought that because I, I hope maybe it'll help you See, I'm a visual kind of guy. Number one, you, you can't just hold the anchor. Because if you're just holding the anchor, it's too easy to let go. Number two, if the storm gets really bad, it may blow you loose. you you got to get the anchor in your heart. you got to read it every day. You have to secure yourself to the anchor. But here's the beauty of the anchor. The anchor may let you drift. But you can only drift so far. It doesn't matter which way the wind comes from. It doesn't matter which way the wind blows. See, you may can drift around in the yard, but you can't get blown out into enemy territory. You may get a little sideways every once in a while. Anybody in here a Christian ever get a little sideways every once in a while? The rest of you either ain't a Christian or you lie. You, the anchor will keep you to the center source which is the center of the will of God. But you've got to be connected to the book. You've got to stay in the book. The reason, the reason, the reason, the reason, the reason we're living in a world where so many Christians are falling and failing and not coming to church and not living godly lives is because they are not reading this book. You say it can't be that simple. Yes, it is. 
God said he holds his word above his name. It is the written authority of the word of God. Christians are failing every single day because they're going through their life and they're never reading this book. They towed it in and out of here. Now they don't even really bring it to church anymore because you got it on your phone, right? You may have it, but you're not making use of it. I hope it's none of you in here, but I'm telling you there are Christians struggling in this life. Here's why. They have no anchor. You think hell's going to stop coming after you? You think hell's going to stop trying to destroy you? You think hell's going to... Listen, if you're not spending time with God, why does God have to keep a hedge of protection around you all the time? God may have to remove his hand a little bit to let the devil in. I promise you this. You let the storm get bad enough, there ain't a person in here that ain't going to be able to save me. And you probably ain't going to, and I ain't either, but I'm going to tell myself anyway. There ain't a person in here that has not gotten in a storm that got so bad you started reading more than you had ever read. There ain't a person in here the child of God. If I'm wrong, that's okay. It's my right. Wrong is an option. Ain't a person in here who has not gotten in a storm that was so bad, your prayer life turned up about 100 degrees. Everything got better. You prayed in the morning. You prayed in the car. You prayed at work. You begged and you pleaded. You prayed more in one day than you prayed in the last year before the storm got there. God's storms has a purpose. It's to change things. It's to motivate us to do things different. Our text says, fear not. I have redeemed thee. I've called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Boy, that's some assurance right there. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah said in chapter 41, verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. No matter what, hold on to the anchor. No matter what, hold on to the anchor. We live in a world that is upside down and crazy at best. The anchor is the unchanging strength of an unchanging God. It is our source that will keep us secure no matter what life brings. Anybody agree life brings challenges, problems, situations? The anchor never changes. And you may drift around in the yard a little bit, but you won't, won't ever get so far out that you're lost and can't find your way back. I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where people are. I, I don't know everybody's daily reading habits. I don't know how much you read the Bible. I don't know if you read it every morning. I don't know if you read it every night. I don't know if you do devotions. I know some of you that do, but I don't. Number one, I don't know everything about everybody. Number two, I don't want to. Your life's your business. God didn't put me here to know your business or to run your life. He put me here to tell you the truth. So I, I don't know how much you read the Bible, but I know how much you need to. I don't know that much about your prayer life. I don't know. Do you pray in the car all the, on the way to work? Is that, that how much time you put into prayer? I don't, I don't know. I know how much you ought to. The Bible says that men ought always to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Bible says the effectual fervent prayer, the effectual fervent, not, not the pass by driving in the car, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I know how much we ought to pray. I don't know where you are in your storms. I do know this. I know several of you that are in one right now. 
I know several of you that are in some valleys right now, in some dark situations right now, and you need God to intervene in your situation. And I'll be honest, from what I know about you, I don't know why you're in them. I see you serving God. I see you in this church. I see you loving on people. I don't know why you're in them, but it's not up to me to know. Maybe it's just so that God can manifest himself to you, just like he did the disciples, so that you can see him come walking on the water in the middle of your fourth watch of the night. I don't know. But I do know this, God's the one that can calm your storm. He's also the one that can secure you in the storm until he says, peace, be still. I'm going to ask if you would to stand, the altar's always open. If you need God to, to show up where you are, the altar's a great place to talk to him. Say, God, I just, I just need you. Maybe you need to intervene on behalf of somebody else. God said that we can go boldly into the throne room of grace where we might obtain grace, we might obtain mercy. Praise God that we can go to the throne room and, and pray on others' behalf. Maybe you just need to talk to God. Maybe, maybe you want to know what's going on, why something's going on. I don't know, but the altar's open. You're welcome to come pray. If you don't have an anchor, I don't know, maybe live stream. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You don't have an anchor. You don't have a hope. You don't have a security. You can change all that. It starts out with a confession. The Bible says it must be a confession of the mouth that you're a sinner. And we know for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. We know that we're sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us that. But the Bible didn't have to tell me that for me to know I was a sinner. I'm just wicked. But you can tell God, I know I'm a sinner. But I want to change all that. I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins in the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. I'm just asking you to forgive me of my sins and save my soul. Oh, it doesn't matter to me how you say it. It's not a three-point poem. It's you surrendering your heart to God. He's not fire insurance. He's Lord of your life. It's surrendering everything. So, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life now. I surrender everything to you. I'm asking you to save my soul in Jesus' name, and he's faithful and just to save you. So if you want to pray right where you are, you want to come to the altar, these guys are going to sing a song. I'm going to ask you to just spend some time with the Lord. Amen.